Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, gather us in as one. May we be your people working together to do that which you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. What is this world coming to? More importantly, what can we do about it? You know, I, I remember back in 1999, I was on internship in Sumter, South Carolina, and I was actually recovering from mono, and so I was at home with nothing to do but watch television. And so I was sitting on my couch watching something when all of a sudden the news broke in to announce that there was a shooting at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. That day, 15 people were killed. Many more were injured, most of them, by gunfire. That was the first time. And now, some 23 years later, here we go again, right? This past Wednesday, in a little town in Texas at Robb Elementary School, 19 people died. 17 children were sent off by their parents that day to school, knowing that they would see them afterwards, and they didn't. Here we go again. But what can we do about it, right? I mean, it, it seems like it happens over and over and over again. Since, since Columbine, there have been 309 school shootings. And of those 309 school shootings, 185 people have been killed. But 310,000 students left for home that day and came back if they came back. They came back different than they were before. 310,000. But what can we do about it, right? Well, we know what we can do about it. We can do the same thing that we do every time. First, we begin with our thoughts and prayers, and then it turns into uh, our media debating it, right? Not just the news media, but also on social media, back and forth and back and forth. And, and, and then it goes to, to our Congress and, and to our national and community leaders where they'll talk about it for just a little while and do absolutely nothing, and then it'll, it'll happen again, and the cycle starts again. Over and over and over. But gun violence isn't just in our schools, is it? A week ago today in Newberry, not too far from here, the very town where my last church was in, four people were killed, all under the age of 20. 15 to 19 year old, four lives lost. And then members of this very church the day before Easter, we're at the mall when nine people were shot. Just buying Easter dresses has become dangerous these days. But what can we do about it? Let's be honest, though, it's not just gun violence that, that surrounds us. Our world is falling apart, isn't it? I mean, there's constant evidence that we live in a fallen, broken humanity. 
there's, there's all the mess that's going on in Ukraine where, where a massive country in Russia is coming down and invading, taking people's homes, taking people's livelihoods, taking people's freedoms, taking people's lives. What's more, there's racism, sexism, and all the other isms out there. There's poverty, homelessness, helplessness, abuse. And oh, by the way, there's this pandemic that's been going on for the last two and a half years. And if you think that it's over, trust me, <laughs> it's not. But what can we do about it? That's the problem that we often spend, isn't it? What in the world can we possibly do to change any of this? And so here's what we do. We fight about it, don't we? Every single one of us has a thought or an opinion on this. And so, so anytime something like this comes up, we draw our line in the sand. We dig in our feet, we cross our arms, and we say what's right. And the truth is, at this point in time, we believe more about protecting our rights and being right than doing right. Yes, we live in a fallen, broken world. And it's crumbling around us. And we act as if it's never been this bad before. But the reality is it has. I mean, this is nothing new. In Jesus' day, the people of Jerusalem were probably wondering the same thing. What can we do about it? The Romans had invaded Jerusalem as they had occupied most of the world at that point in time. Had total control. While they did allow the Jewish people to, to worship their God, they called all the shots. At any given moment, an officer could show up and take money from you, take your house, take whatever. These people who had lived in freedom no longer did. For Jesus and his disciples, that, that wasn't all because the religious leaders of the day were, were breathing down their neck. They, they had totally wanted to get rid of Jesus, and they knew what was coming. In fact, in our gospel reading, it takes place in the upper room where Jesus washed his disciples' feet and where he shared the Last Supper with them. This was the night before he was arrested. It was the night he was arrested, but it was the night before he was crucified. But what could they do about it? And what we have here in these moments, just before Jesus left the upper room and went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the very last thing Jesus did was he prayed. Prayed what's called the high priestly prayer. And today's gospel reading is the end of that prayer. It's sort of the climax of it. The most important things that Jesus has to say to God and, and, and to those gathered there. The plan was already in motion. Judas had already left to go betray Jesus. And these are the words that he said right before it all happened. He prayed. And who did he pray for? Well, his disciples, right? Well, yes, and more. Listen to this. Jesus prayed, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. Get that. 
Jesus is not only praying for the disciples that were present in that room and those who had believed in him, but all of those who would come after them. In Jesus' last moments, he is praying for us, for you and for me. Imagine that. The King of kings and Lord of lords is actually praying for you. He's praying for all of us. And what is he praying? That they may be one. That they may be one. Jesus knew what his disciples were going to have to endure. He knew what we were going to have to endure. He knew the fallen brokenness of the world. He knew the pain, the destruction, the sinfulness, the violence that, was, that would surround not only his immediate disciples, but all of us throughout time. And he prayed for a way for us to move through that, for us to survive that, for us to change that. And his prayer was that we may be one. He prayed for our unity. So what can we do about it? We can be one. We can be unified. We can work together using what I have and what you have and what they have and what they have. That is how we will change the world. That is what we can do. But I think it's safe to say that our Lord's prayer has yet to be answered, right? I mean, we are far from unified, aren't we? I mean, when tragedy strikes, what we do first of all, we pray. And what do we do second? We fight about it. We debate every way from Thursday why it happened, how it happened, who's to blame. We have a hard time agreeing whether or not the sky is blue these days. We cannot possibly agree on much of anything else. I mean, imagine how life would be different if we could all just be on the same page for a change. I kind of wonder if I would have gotten COVID last week or if COVID would have been around even more if we could have all just, I don't know, agreed with each other for a minute and a half. But instead, we're too busy being right. We're too busy fighting for our rights. than we are to do right. But what Jesus wants from us is our unity. So how in the world do we achieve that? How do we make that happen? How can we be the answer to God's prayers? Well, I think we have something that points to it in the next verse. It says, As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus prays that we would be in him. In other words, that we would so firmly establish our relationship with God that that would shape the entirety of our lives. So while, no, there's not much that we individually can do to change anything, there is something that we can do individually to change ourselves. And that, my friends, is called discipleship. It's about building our relationship with God. It's about taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it on the Almighty. Because the truth is, before we can reach out, we have to reach up. 
So how do we do that? Well, we talk about it all the time. We call it the six signs of living. And it starts with praising God. It starts with our prayer and our worship. I know, I know, people all the time now, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, as if that's meaningless. Folks, it's only meaningless if we're just saying the words. It's only meaningless if we don't believe in its power. It's only meaningless if we think that that's all we have to do. But it does begin there. Because before we can grasp the hands of others, we have to start with folded hands in front of us. And then from there, we increase our faith. You want to know what's right? It's in God's holy word. We need to know what that says. We need to read our Bibles. We, we, need, we, we, we need to learn in Sunday school and Bible studies and in small groups and discussions with one another. And then we step up. Each of us has been given certain gifts. Go out and use them. Do what makes you special to answer God's calling. Fourth, give generously. Because the reality is, and I say it every Sunday, in order for God's work to be done, it takes resources. It takes our resources. And that while my $1 may not do a lot, unified our, all of our dollars can do amazing things. Then we accept all. You can't be unified without accepting everyone, just as our God accepts everyone. And after all of that, then we can help others. But you see, as we work on our relationship with God, as we point our direction upward, it enables us to look outward. It enables us to be on the same page because we're not worried about people agreeing with us. We're worried about people agreeing with God, not doing what we want, but doing what God's will is. That's what it means to be unified. Do you realize that 31% of the world's population is Christian? That's almost a third of the world. Imagine the force that we could be if we were one. Imagine the voice that would be spoken if we were all on God's page. Imagine the change that can happen. Imagine what we could do if we were the answer to Christ's prayer, if we were one. What can we do? We can be one. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing we can't do. Amen. Amen.